0: hey you're listening to stocks and sandals a podcast by stock dads
1: for stock dads following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad so pull up your cargo shorts put on your grass-stained new balances and let's throw some stocks on the grill Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Zabala, and I'm here with DJ Brown. And we are joined by one of our very own stads today, DJ. Probably our most quotable Stad from the Discord, (laughs) at least.
1: Yeah, so we have with us today, Gareth Burrows, who I'm super excited to interview. Gareth has been in our Discord community for a couple of months now. He's a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he clearly didn't join the Discord to learn too much from us because he's forgotten more than many of us will know in our lifetime. But yeah, Gareth is also probably one of the funniest guys on our Discord. He goes by Funds a lot, and I'm going to save him for a little bit later as like a little bit of a breather. But we've got some really funny quotes from him that I'm going to read. And these were totally organic. So I'm going <laughs> to, Gareth is shaking his head, but mm-hmm. we got clearance that it's okay to share these. But this episode is not for the kids, guys. So <laughs> you know, just be prepared for that. I'm going to read them word for word. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Today, we're talking about the importance of portfolio diversification specifically global diversification. So you're going to notice in about two seconds that Gareth does not sound like most of our listeners. So Gareth, would you just do the honors of introducing yourself and kind of tell us about your backstory
2: a little bit? Uh, Yeah, sure. And thanks for inviting me along. Firstly, I think you guys are underselling yourself, by the way. I learn something new on that Discord every day. So despite the fact that I've got a lot of experience, I think there's something on there for everyone. And to be honest with you, the day that you go along to it and you think I've got nothing to learn is really the day you need to pull all your positions and just retire because you're going to start making mistakes. That's awesome to hear. Thank you. Appreciate that. So my background is I started investing, getting on for 30 years ago now when I was at university. Coming out of university, I worked in the technical world, in the software world. And then about 10 years ago, I founded a software company with my business partner. We built that up into a multi-million pound business, which when you do that, you start getting vultures circling you, looking to acquire you. And we basically let one of them acquire us last year. We were acquired by a listed company, which boosted my investments considerably. Let's go with that. And that's kind of where we are. I was working as the chief technical officer of that company. and. The company that's acquired us has made it worth my while to stay. So I'm still working and the investing is kind of the thing I do for enjoyment and also for my retirement, I guess. That's awesome, man.
1: We appreciate you coming on. I know it's late where you are. We had to do this recording at kind of an odd time because it's like 10 o'clock your time and it's four o'clock our time. So if you get sleepy, I know that it's all right. You mentioned your wife had some warm milk and cookies for you afterwards. So that's good.
2: Well, I'm British, so I'll have a cup of tea with me already anyway. I'll be fine.
1: <laughs> there you go. So obviously you kind of already mentioned, you know, that you came into a substantial amount of money last year and you've had a pretty large amount of investments, you know, for a large portion of your life. And what we've come to realize from you in the Discord, the value that you provide. And by the way, we don't pay Gareth to be in there, like he's just a member for fun. We didn't pay him to say that he likes the Discord or anything like that. I just want that disclaimer out there. He is not an employee of ours or anything like that. This is just a member that is coming come in and providing value. So, I mean, you do some of the craziest due diligence that I've seen. Just talk real briefly before we get into the global stuff, just kind of real briefly talk us through your due diligence mindset, your strategy and all that kind of stuff.
2: So like an awful lot of people, I made a lot of mistakes when I was starting to invest and I realized that I was getting trapped into investing for emotional reasons because I liked a company. I thought a company was cool or, you know, I liked their product. And I thought because I liked the product, that meant the company was bound to be successful. And I realized that was all absolute nonsense when I just kept losing money. So I, over the course of a few years, built up essentially a big document that was a list of rules for myself about a test, if you like, for a position before I go into it in terms of, the company's leadership, the company's financials, the company's goals, the company's culture, how they handle debt, how they handle cash, what their competitive environment looks like, the socio-economic environment in which they function. And I just built that up and up and up and up to the point where it now takes me several days to do due diligence. It can even take longer, but then I might be throwing 25K at that position. So it's kind of worth that kind of time because that's a lot of money to lose if you lose it in a single position. And what I've found is if you're truly cold and ruthless about it, you make better decisions. So one of the bits of advice I give to a lot of people that contact me asking for advice is treat all your positions like cattle rather than pets. You know, if you've got cattle and they might look cute in the field, but you know they're all going to get slaughtered and they're going to end up as steaks. And that's fine. You're fine with that. If you have pets, all of a sudden, You might not want to let him go, or you might want to hold on to him for too long. So I treat all my investments as cattle. And when I do my due diligence, I have rules around how much I'll put in, but equally rules around when I'll take it out and what conditions under which I'll take it out. And I stick to those rules ruthlessly. Occasionally, I go a bit crazy, but you guys will probably see that when I'm suddenly (laughs) short in Tesla or just doing something insane.
0: And that's because we're all human. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of those quotes we were talking about earlier came around that time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll read you the
1: context around some of the quotes that we had too, because Gareth is such a funny dude. So,
0: yeah, really quick before we kind of again get into some of the global stuff, can you just share like maybe a couple of those rules that you do have? I know you've shared in the Discord before, but could you just list out, you know, one or two that you kind of go by?
2: Yeah, so firstly, I do have a maximum amount per position of 25k. That's a position that represents a certain percentage of my available portfolio. And I don't ever break that because all of a sudden you get excited and it becomes 50k, it becomes 75k, it becomes 100k. And all of a sudden, if that's not performing, well, now you're trapped in that emotional, what do I do? Do I hang on to it? Do I cut my losses? And that's the moment all becomes emotional is when the errors happen. So I have a very strict rule about a quantity. I have a rule about having done my own due diligence before investing in anything. So it doesn't matter whether everyone was ranting about a stock in the discord. I wouldn't go near it until I'd done my own due diligence it evolves the list evolves over time i'm now starting to look at competitive environment i don't like companies that essentially have a monopoly now because they tend to be unproven they look great they can fly through an industry but you actually don't know how they're going to do in 5 years once the competitive market gets fleshed out that's one of the reasons i stay away from tesla
1: yeah i'll go ahead and read one of these quotes cuz it's kind of in context with what you just said you said you don't care if everybody in the world's talking about a position you know that doesn't matter to you right so, you know, you guys of all that are watching and listening, like, you know that AMC was super hot, right? I mean, like, uh, all on Wall Street bets, whatever. So, this is a direct quote from <laughs> Gareth in the, in the Discord. And again, you know, little ears, cover <laughs> cover your ears. Sir Fundalot, so Gareth said, I'd rather dangle my nuts over a piranha tank whilst twerking and singing Baby Shark than take a long position in AMC. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wait, where does that come from, man? (laughs) I think the first time someone says to me, hey, I think I want to invest in AMC, I respond and say, have you considered that the way people consume media might have changed long term and that the studios are now clearly committed to Streaming services and investing more and more in streaming services. So, the chances of the whole cinema theater world going back to the way it was before are kind of nil. There'll be something, there'll be an industry there, but it'll be nil in terms of how it was before. So, it may be more niche, maybe more expensive, more luxury, who knows? But either way, I'll explain that a few times. And then eventually, I kind of get bored of answering the question the same, same way. And eventually, I just lose the plot and just that something like that comes out. What you guys don't see is that Chris Chung saves you so many times from the worst of it. Because I will read something like, I'm thinking about pulling my kid's college fund and my wife's health insurance and putting it in all, all in GameStop. What do you guys think about that? And I'll just get going, all right? I'll tell you exactly what I bloody think about that. I think you're a moron who shouldn't be allowed pocket money, Never mind a margin account. Meanwhile, Chris will come in and post, Have you considered the downsides as well as the (laughs) upsides? And at that point, I just start backspacing and go, yeah, yeah, it's probably a better idea. (laughs) He saves you guys from a lot of the worst of it.
0: (laughs) I'd love to get you on as a moderator on the Facebook and see how
2: that goes. (laughs) That's not a good
1: idea. (laughs) The Facebook can become the Wild West at times for sure. It's fun when you private message me and you're like, hey, that guy that you just commented back to, like, this is what I would have
2: said. <laughs> I like to hear some of those things. There was one I even spotted it this evening. Some bloke went on there and wrote, oh, I think all the admins' pussies or something, and, and this place is all just controlled. And you wrote this massive, long, reasonable calm post about what your thoughts were. And I thought I could have distilled that down to two words and still got the same message across.
1: (laughs) Yep.
2: Saved you a lot of typing.
1: (laughs) I know, right? The Facebook group can be a lot of fun and a a lot of work. And for anybody that knows me, my ability to control my temper, it's not easy for me sometimes to respond kindly. So
0: yeah, um, I was just about to give like big props to you because if you know DJ, like that is not the response you would expect (laughs) for him to give i'm getting better i'm
1: working on it anyways the
2: other thing there by the way is that i suspect i'm older than quite a lot of your community i'm 49 so i've got a lot of experience i'm in a very senior position in a big company i'm financially secure so that i don't need to work so i kind of don't give a shit what i say because (laughs) (laughs) there you go what's the worst that can happen you know i watch myself around kids because i've got a little girl myself so i don't use bad language around kids and you know i love being a dad but around adults you're all fair game as far as i'm concerned
1: (laughs) there you go
0: i like it i'm gonna be on my best behavior the rest of this (laughs) podcast
1: (laughs) yeah i don't make sure not to say anything too stupid because they'll call (laughs) me on it (laughs) all right so let's dive into the meat of this episode which is portfolio diversification right so obviously you're from the UK, you're British, you're not from America where our discord and pretty much all facebook, you know, groups and discord stuff, I mean it's really heavily invested in the US, right? I mean in the US markets. But there's so much more opportunity to be had elsewhere as well. So the US markets are obviously hot and you know, they're popular and a lot of the big names come from there and stuff like that, but you've been dropping some knowledge in the Discord and helping us diversify our own portfolios and helping call out some really interesting theories and companies that aren't from around here. So I guess first, just broad question, why do you think it's important to diversify your portfolio, not even from the global perspective, but just general portfolio diversification?
2: Okay. So way back in the 1600s, a guy called Miguel Cervantes wrote a book called Don Quixote. It's become a classic of literature. And that was translated time and time and time again. And somewhere in one of those translations, the phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket was included. Okay, And the logic being, you've got to go and buy 50 eggs, you take one trip and you fall over, you just lost 50 eggs. You take five trips and you fall over, you just lost 10 eggs. Investing, trading is exactly the same. It boils down to if you put everything you've got in a single venture and that venture goes bad, you've lost everything. So when I genuinely see people saying things like, I'm thinking about just putting everything and going all in on GameStop, you know, I make light of it and I joke about it and I tease people, but I feel so sorry for them because if it goes wrong, I've been in that place where your portfolio is now negative and it's a single position that isn't going to go up and it's not a nice place to be. So diversifying essentially provides you with two functions. Firstly, it mitigates risk. So you're only going to drop 10 eggs. You know, at the worst case scenario, even if you lose everything, you've only lost 20% of your portfolio, even if you've diversified across five stocks. But the other thing it achieves is that it flattens volatility. So where we are right now, if you took the average blood pressure of the people in the Discord right now, <laughs> we're minus 10% one day, plus 10% the next day. And the, the you know, there's people breathing into paper bags and hyperventilating at the end of the day because they just don't know how it's happened. That is not good for your health long-term, okay? <laughs> you just can't survive like that. And I posted a couple of images, one of an actively managed fund, which only has about 20 or 30 positions in it, and one of a robo-advisor that has thousands of positions in it the actively managed funds looks like an EKG of somebody that's just about to drop dead. And the robo-advisor is just a smooth line. And that smooth line is ultimately what most of us want. You know, we say we want the big gains and sure we want the big gains, but what we also want is we don't want that to turn into huge losses. Diversification is what will give that to you. And it starts not at the country level, but way down the first level you know the very first thing people do is they invest in a single company in a single industry in a single sector in a single geography the next thing they do is they invest in the same industry in the same sector in the same geography and it starts like that and all of a sudden you're in a position where take the pandemic for now if you had a a particular interest in travel and hospitality and things like that. And along comes Mr. Coronavirus and just fucks everything up for you, you know, and all of a sudden every hotel in the world is closed. Every airline is down. Every restaurant is closed. All the cruise lines have gone down and you're screwed. So diversification provides a hedge against exactly that happening. The other thing it does is it gives you access to gains that you might not otherwise have got. So, you know, looking at, the last year, USA, you didn't do that great in terms of growth, in terms of your stock markets. It wasn't that good. So, How I mean. dare you? I know. How I'm sorry. dare you, Gareth? <laughs> you see, I'm quite pleased you guys can't shoot me over Zoom. <laughs> so, last year, the best performing stock market in the world was South Korea, It had nearly 38% gain. Number two, Denmark, tiny little country in Europe, 33% gain. If you just tracked that stuff, you'd be looking down, staring down the barrel of. You know, 30 to 40% gains at the end of the year. The American stuff, I'm afraid that was a number eight was the first one there. So if you don't look further afield than the stuff that you start with, you're going to miss out on a lot. But I know I come across as sort of this fanatic about geography and diversifying across countries, but in reality, it starts with industries. It starts with sectors. You know, you can diversify with three positions. You just pick industries that you're not comfortable with essentially and that's why people do two things firstly they tend to have a big home skew and that's not America that's everybody by the way so you live in the UK the chances are you'll invest in all these crap companies in the FTSE 100 that just don't do anything and if you live in America you'll invest in all the growth companies and as well you should what you need to do especially in today's world where we have access to commission free trading platforms that allow you to invest in any market in the world is just spread your wings a bit You know, spread it across sectors, spread it across industries, and spread it across geographies. I was going to come on here and say, you know, you guys should invest in the China Consumer Index because it's outperforming everything in America. And then it completely tanked a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh,
1: no. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that, you know, like the diversification doesn't really always protect you from, you know, whole <clears throat> market stuff. I'm going to read another one of your quotes because I think it's just a good time for it. So, I mean, even you who's very well diversified just said the other day, I think of a vasectomy with spoons might be less painful than the market right now. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't always protect you from it, you know?
2: Not at all. It's down to correlation. So if you pick two companies in the same industry, they're going to be extremely highly correlated. The chances are, You know, you pick two EV manufacturers, they're going to share some computer chips somewhere or tyres or something. going to be incredibly well correlated. Even if you choose completely separate markets, there will be a degree of correlation. So there's a saying in the UK, when America sneezes, the UK catches a cold. And it's very true because our tax policies, monetary policies, corporation tax, stuff like that is really closely correlated with America. So when things go bad in America, they tend to go bad in the UK as well. There are other markets, China being one of them, that are really not particularly highly correlated. And in order for markets globally like that to crash, a year ago, 18 months ago, I'd have said, well, that can't happen. You'd need some kind of global pandemic for that to happen. (laughs) And then sure enough, along comes Mr. Coronavirus and just wiped the whole world's markets. You know What we had there was, a willing shutdown of the global economy by world governments. You know, they turned the lights off and said, go home to everyone. So inevitably, every market, if you look at them, the indexes for last year, they all follow a very similar pattern. Some of them are steeper than others. You know, the countries that tended to shut down quick, they have a really, real steep drop off because they close their industries quicker. But what I suspect we'll see is that they will have a faster return to normal after all of this is over. So, you know, every market's different. It's all about hedging your positions, essentially. The more you hedge your positions, the slower you will grow, but the less volatility you will experience. And that can be done in so many ways. And, you know, I'll quite happily drink whiskey and talk to people about that all night.
0: Yeah. So a quick question is, you know, we've talked about diversification before on the podcast and just in general, you know, we've kind of preached it, but we've never... Really tackled it on the scale of like the global markets, right? So, this is probably a dumb question, but like, what does that even look like? I know on like the Facebook, we get questions from people in the UK asking what, you know, trading apps to use and stuff like that. Is there a way that's easy to trade these curies globally?
2: Absolutely. You know, one of the common answers on Facebook for I've got X amount of money, what should I do with it? And people go, oh, just put it in SPY. You know, that's just a first answer. It's not the cheapest S&P 500 tracker, but it's the one with the most volume, so it's the one people seem to recommend. And it's become popular. There are similar indexes across the world that most brokerages will support you know there's the nikkei there's the nifty 50 in in asia there's the china consumer index there's the asx 300 in australasia there's loads of them i mean there are 60 major stock markets in the world and you know america accounts for three of them of the biggies you do in fairness Represent about 50% of the global market capitalization. So (laughs) it's perfectly fine to have a big (laughs) skew towards America. What you should be thinking when you're thinking of global diversification is what's happening in the world? What's happening with regards to China US relations? What's happening with regards to Europe and Brexit and things like that? And where do I want to put money that I think won't be correlated with what I have already? And that doesn't have to start with. I'm going to invest in China. That can start with, I can see 75% of my stuff is in sexy tech stocks. Maybe I'm going to put something in commodities or maybe I'm going to put something in transport or industrials or something completely different. People tend to stick to sectors and industries in the same way they stick to countries because they do what's comfortable and what's familiar. You asked me a few years back, what do I know about hospitality? I wouldn't have had a clue, but I kind of... One of my things in life is that I will deliberately then go and read about it and learn about it because you realize that you're not investing in it because you're almost scared of it rather than, you know, it's easy to invest in tech stocks because everybody knows about Apple and Facebook. and, But it, the real winners are the ones nobody's heard of.
1: Right. So like, what's, I guess, your approach to finding these different markets and what's your approach? I mean, other than watching the news and seeing, okay, something's going on in Korea right now. So let me go look at the Korean markets in Google. I mean, is it as simple as that? Like I just go Google and stuff and what's your process for finding that?
2: I differentiate between short-term and long-term stuff. Okay. So I look at China and China's growth has outperformed pretty much everywhere in the world. So I say, fine, I'm going to throw a bunch of cash into that and I'm just going to forget about it for five years. That's kind of one level. Then the level I do with shorter term stuff and with individual stocks is much more granular. It's much more put myself in the position of we're in a pandemic. You know, what's going to happen in the pandemic? Well, everybody's going to turn to Zoom and Microsoft Teams and stuff like that. So kind of last March, I threw myself into every sort of online meeting stock I could get my hands on because I saw that Was going to be a thing. So for me, there's kind of two levels of analysis I do, and I've written about this recently. There's the quantitative analysis that Chris Chung does so, so well, which is look at the numbers and understand how a company is using its debt. Is its revenue growing? Is its earnings per share growing? Is it overvalued as a stock? So that's one thing for me. The big thing that kicks it off for me is just sitting in a room thinking, what's going on in the world, what's happening, who's likely to benefit from it, who's likely to be punished for it. That will then pique my curiosity about an industry. And then I go and look at that. That's when I get down to the quantitative stuff. And I look at the industry and say, okay, of the major players in that industry, who do I think has the best prospects for growth over the next two to five years? That's kind of my approach. Or I get drunk and short Tesla. (laughs) <laughs> one of those two <laughs> very yeah,
0: opposite funny. ends of the spectrum on the
1: strategy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have a very small portion of your account that you do stuff like that with right yeah, just... I, I,
2: yeah yeah the trouble is when you short stuff for those of you not familiar with that very small portion of your account has the potential for unlimited losses so <laughs> you need to be all over it
1: yeah you got to watch it for sure
0: Gotcha. So as far as, you know, looking at some of these, you know, you mentioned you look at like some indexes that are, you know, tied to other markets. Do you actually trade on like any of the other, you know, bigger exchanges or anything like that?
2: So I trade essentially from two countries. I have several brokerages, like online platforms set up in the UK. And I also have a broker that I deal with in America. It's easy to invest in other countries from your own country. And I would advise you to do that because the tax gets all kinds of complicated when you start trying to actually invest directly from other countries. What you will find, though, is that some countries have reciprocal rules in place. So there are rules, for example, between the US and the UK, so that I only get taxed once, you know, if I do invest in American funds and American stocks, because you guys got a lot of the growth right now. You know, you've been driving the world's stock markets for a long time now. So yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have quite a lot in there, but it's entirely possible to invest overseas from where you are. And it's as easy to invest in DAX, the German market, as it is to invest in SPY. You just pick an ETF that does it, that you watch the fees, you watch the costs, track the history over the last couple of years and make sure you're not just doing something because the last six months have been sexy and you just put it in there and forget about it. And, you know, my advice to people is you're much better having 20 small positions from a diversification perspective than you are having one and depending on everything. You don't need to say, oh, I'm going to wait till I've got 10,000 and then split it. You know, you can split it from the start and just have smaller position. Your gains might not be as big in the short term, but anyone in this game that's truly focused on the short term is probably going to end up losing money sooner or later. The swing and the day trading world is amazingly unforgiving. We have in the Discord a lot of people who are very sensible because they're trying to learn they're trying to absorb knowledge from people and they're trying to do better. There's a hell of a lot of people out there that just go, hey, GameStop, Stonks, let's go. <laughs> and then they wonder why the kids' college funders just disappeared, you know? Right. It's, it's a sad fact of life. Yeah, it's very important. So I want to
1: kind of get your thoughts on when things aren't going your way, right? I mean, so you do a ton of research, right? And you do a ton of DD, but it doesn't always work out, right? So I'm actually, I'm going to read a quote to kind of set this uh, question up here. So, like, even when you do all this DD, you know, you still have some things that don't go right. So, you said this in the Discord, and it was obviously, you know, like in jest, kind of, but it was pretty funny. But I want to get <laughs> your thoughts on it. So, clearly, doing DD on companies doesn't work for me. I'd probably get more consistently successful picks of tickers if I ate a tin of alphabetty spaghetti and just wrote down what I shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i want to hear your thoughts because obviously i mean it's ingest. jest i mean to some degree some dd just doesn't work right so how do you pivot and i guess adjust your techniques and stuff when the market isn't agreeing with
2: you? yeah it's a fair question that kind of frustration comes about because of short-term changes so i remember i literally remember the stock that i was talking about i'd done about a week's work on a company called synopsis and i was completely convinced it's going to be a flyer and I threw a load of money at it. And the next day it dropped 15% or something like something crazy <laughs> like that. And I just sat there and went, oh, for fuck's sake, what have I done? <laughs> what I have to remind myself is that in my rules, one of them says, don't pull the money out. When I do my DD, I say, pull this money out after six months or if it hits X gain or anything like that. I do not use stop losses because... It is my intention when I take a position, you know, a non-drunk position, that I will be holding that position for two years, five years, something like that. If I still believe that, why do I need a stop loss? A stop loss is just something that's going to make me bail out because I'm suddenly afraid. And that's because I've now got emotional. If my due diligence was right in the start, then sure, it's frustrating when that happens, But I'm still looking at my other screen here. I'm still holding that position. My belief in that company and my belief in the due diligence hasn't changed. If I get some news that means I was wrong and I was clearly wrong, well, then I have to reassess my position. But I won't touch that for six months. You know, I'll look at it and I'll cringe about it and I'll whine about it in the discord, (laughs) swear about it, but I won't sell it.
1: Right. And that's the investing mindset, and that's the difference. Kind of like you had talked about the difference between trading and you know swing trading, day trading, you know scalping, and and then investing, right? And you're an investor, you know, true to everything. Well, obviously, when you do swing trading and day trading and stuff like that, I'm sure that if you did it, you know, you would also set stops and look more at you know support and resistance levels and all that
2: kind of stuff. But no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, no, no. no. No, technical analysis. No, sorry. I will look at RSI and that's it. Everything else I think is make-believe.
0: Interesting. I'm sorry. sorry. I
2: I literally put no stock in it. I know I've got a couple of friends that are professional traders and they will use, I'm being a bit facetious, they will do basic technical analysis. But by the time you're looking at some of the charts I see that have got 20 lines on them and double dip this and double drop that, No, I wouldn't be doing that. When I swing trade or day trade, I still do it based on the news, not on what's happening. So a few months back, I kind of got wind that Twitter was going to drop, Trump was going to ban him. So I immediately shorted Twitter based on that. It dropped 25% overnight. I cashed out, took a long position and it's now back up 38% or something like that. The technical analysis to me, it literally holds no interest. I don't I'm sure there are people that do it and do it well. The guy you've got fuzz is a bloody genius. I don't know how he does it. I (laughs) <laughs> don't care, but he's clearly good at what he does, but it's not for me.
1: That's so interesting to me, like how different people's strategies can be and how wildly successful different people can be with different strategies. Because you would think in markets like this, it's just like one strategy. That's it. That's the only way to be successful. And it's not true, but it's so interesting to see how like one works for one person just doesn't work for another. And I think that's why it's so important. And one of the things that we really harp on in the discord is regardless of what your strategy is, you need to have a plan right before you buy a stock. And that's why we've also compiled a lot of different strategists in our discord. I mean, we just mentioned, you know, that we have Chris Chung, who you've been talking about. He's very much like you from like a fundamental, like, Really diving into the DD on these stocks and doing long term investing, and then we have Fuzz who does like the day trading and can kind of—he does both. But you know, we have him doing some of our day trading and scalping and stuff, and he's using candlestick patterns and you know supports and resistance, all that kind of stuff. And it's just so interesting to see how those things can work if you go into it with a plan. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't do. And you mentioned it earlier—is you just trade emotionally or invest emotionally? And that just doesn't work. But if you go into it with a plan and you understand what you're doing and you stick to your plan, then that's when you're going to find more success and mitigate your risk better.
2: Yeah, 100%. And you can spot the people that don't have a plan. It's those that say, I'm going to day trade this or I'm going to swing trade this. And all of a sudden, it's actually become a long-term investment. What that means is my plan didn't work. So now I'm just changing my plan because I'm emotionally attached and don't want to sell. Right. So you can spot the lack of a plan.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so I want to just touch on one other thing. And Mike, I know you have a question after this, but with the, like, even on the Facebook today, you know, I saw somebody that, you know, on a post that was like, you know, you had commented on it and said that, you know, the discord has been so valuable to you from just helping you do your DD and like accelerating it and like giving you new ideas and stuff like that. And the guy commented back, Basically, like you pay them all that money and you still have to do hours of DD. So <laughs> talk about that for a second, because I think that's a super important
2: thing. And it's a point that I want to get across to about what we do. Everybody wants to abdicate responsibility. And I think it's a fact of life, but it's massively present in the world of trading and investing. You see it on the Facebook feed all the time. People say, I've got a thousand dollars. What should I put it in? And if five people come along and say, stick it in an ArcX, you guaranteed that person's going to stick it in ArcX with no idea of what exposure they've just given themselves. Everyone wants the quick answer, they want the cheap answer. They don't want to have to think it out from themselves. Now, the irony is that the Discord is full of people that are trying to figure it out for themselves. And that's why it's successful. But the Facebook feed is not. So I had a wealth management consultant in the UK. These guys charge you, can be anything up to a couple of percent a year of your portfolio to manage your portfolio. Now, if your portfolio is in excess of 10 million pounds to dollars, that's a hell of a lot of money to be handing over to somebody every year. It's a lot of money. So even when somebody is being paid that amount of money, you are still accountable and responsible for your own investments and trading that you can never give that away. If that money is all gone, it's your family, it's your future, it's your kids' college, it's not your wealth manager's funds, you know, they'll be sorry about it, but no, that, it's down to you. So you have a responsibility to do whatever due diligence is part of your plan every mm-hmm. time you hear the greatest idea in the world. Because if it all goes wrong, you'll only have yourself to blame. Right.
1: And I think that's so important and something that I really want to hammer home about like what we do. And this isn't even a sales pitch, but in just in general, like, you know, we do alerts and we have, you know, people calling out ideas and plays. And we have, you know, members of the community like yourself who aren't, you know, alerters, like sharing your ideas, sharing your knowledge and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we want to focus on education, right? I mean, we want to focus on like sharing ideas But we don't want people just following stuff blindly, period. You have to know and understand and believe in what you're doing. And it's nobody's fault if a stock goes sideways up or down, you know?
2: There's a strategy in management when you're managing big teams. And, you know, somebody comes to you and says, I've got a problem. What do you think you should do? When you first become a manager, you go, do this. I think you should do this. Over time, that needs to evolve to what do you think you should do? What would you do? What would you do if I wasn't here? And eventually these people stop coming to you with questions and they just handle it on themselves. And at that point, you've evolved into a leader rather than a manager. With the education, what's happening is the knowledge, the experts, and they are experts, the guys that you've got in the Discord, because it's what they do, whether they're professional or not, they spend a lot of time reading and researching. For me, they short circuit some of it. So if Chris Chung comes to me and says, I've just done a load of DD on this stock, I'm going to put a lot of weight, I'm still going to do my own DD, but I'm going to put a lot of weight behind his recommendation. Whereas if someone on Facebook says, I think you should invest in this stock, I'm going to go, yeah, whatever. So where people like Chris and myself and the other people that have been doing this a while need to get to is where we start saying to people, well, what do you think you should do? What's your plan? And that's kind of what I do now when people say, do you think I should invest in this? Rather than just saying yes or no, I'll say what's your plan for getting out if it doesn't work? How long are you planning to invest in? Why are you choosing this over something else? The more we get people kind of thinking through the process themselves and doing their own due diligence, the better they'll become.
1: Yeah, I think one of our goals when we built this, Mike, was to build a community that after a few months, you know, or whatever, like people could leave and do this stuff on their own and could no longer be a part of the community and do this stuff on their own. The goal is obviously that we build a community that they love to be a part of and that they can still find a lot of value in and that they do stick around. But, you know, we want to make sure that people are understanding
2: how to do this stuff, you know, not just following people blindly. The other thing that Discord really provides well is if someone is genuinely going to do something stupid, you know, a bunch of people will leap out and go, you're about to do something stupid. Right, right. Really stop and think about it. So it provides a safety valve for a lot of people that are learning. And that's a great thing, because it means that we're kind of bringing people through the sort of ranks of experience. And, you know, that's still me. There's plenty of times where I've been thinking about something, and then I'll read something on Discord, and I'll go, "Oh, I better check that. And mm. it just provides you with a trigger to then go and double-check your assumptions. It's great, valuable. It winds me up on Facebook when people say, ah, oh, you don't need a Discord, just stick it all in Arc." It's like, oh. <laughs> Piss
0: off. <laughs> <laughs> right mike do you have any other questions yeah i do have one more and it would just be you know on the topic of diversification you know for the people right now that either don't have like a fully fleshed out plan or they aren't diversified enough i guess what advice would you have for them as a way to fix that would it be just to like close your positions and start over would it just be you know trim okay. some what would that look like?
2: The positions that you've got now, you should keep according to whatever plan you had for those positions at the beginning. You shouldn't change anything just because you've learned something new about how you want to strategize your portfolio. My recommendation would be to do some reading around the structure of positions. So take, for example, there's a big organization out there called GICS. I think it's the biggest. It's a classification system for companies. That company exists in an industry which is in a sector which is in a super sector which is in a geography and you start once you get your head around the fact that there are different levels and it's much like an employee in a company will be they're a person that's in a team that's in a department that's in a division that's in a region so exactly the same you learn that structure if you like and then you start learning how correlated some of these things are so the software industry hugely correlated with the hardware industry quite a bit correlated with the EV industry. Nothing to do whatsoever with the pork belly industry. Yeah, there's just no correlation there whatsoever. Once you get your head around the fact that a greater or lesser correlation between industries and sectors, at that point, you just start writing down, where do I want to be? What do I want? And you start looking at what you've got now and fit it into that model. And that's where it gets scary because when you fit it into that model, you go, oh shit, I'm at 85% in US tech stocks. And that's where you think, wonder why the volatility is going absolutely crazy. And that's when you can start saying, okay, when my next position reaches the point where I was going to review it and take my gains, rather than going back in in the same industry, let's look at something else. And that's where you can start getting smart. So my tip at the moment for a lot of people is that globally inflation is coming, guaranteed going to happen. So, when that happens, you want to have something in commodities. The price of commodities, gold 25% last year, something like that, silver 47%, just crazy last year. But there's also sort of cotton, silk, all kinds of weird and wacky things. They tend to go up in value when there is inflation because they move with inflation. So, they provide a useful hedge against inflation. Whereas all the sexy tech stocks, they won't. So, my advice is if you've already got an established portfolio, Don't start thinking, oh, it's the end of the world. I need to diversify this. Start moving bits at a time. Just one position at a time. Put it in something new. Put it in something that isn't correlated what you're already doing. If you just bear with me a second, you can go too far with it. One of the problems with having a significantly large portfolio is that sooner or later, you have so many positions that it is impossible to beat the market because you've got thousands of positions open if you're indexing tracker funds and things like that. And all of a sudden, almost nothing you do changes your growth over time. You're just following index. And at that point, you again have to step back and go, shall I just split it between three funds? Because you can be over-diversified. Depending on who you listen to, 20, 30, 40 positions, somewhere around that will allow you to be completely diversified. And once you get your head around having diversified across all equities, that's when I'm just going to wade in with my big feet again and go, oh, have you thought about things other than equities?
1: Oh man, this has been super, super valuable. It's a pleasure to have you in the community. And you know, I think Mike would agree that rather than finishing off with dad jokes here, I think we're going to finish off with some of your quotes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's for just, sure. this is just <laughs> as much humor at the end of it here. So I'm just going to go down the list here. Okay, This one was just someone simply asking
2: you about McDonald's. Um, you know, know, my wife is going to listen to this, right? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't. No, 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 please. No, no, please do. Please
1: do. Uh, No. So yeah, this was someone simply just asking about McDonald's. They said, what about McDonald's? I know you'll back me up. And then you said, I'd rather try to unblock a pool pump with my dick than eat that shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I went on a huge kind of weight loss program last year and lost a load of weight, still losing it. It was eating that crap that got me in the position I was. I was sitting in front of a computer with fast food and a bottle of Coke and just eating and drinking myself to death. And to be honest, if you make your own burgers and if you cook your own pizzas and things like that, then you suddenly go, what the fuck was I doing eating that garbage all those years? It's, and the people taking their kids in there and that they, I'm sorry, but they crack me up. They're like the amount of people that are just like, no, no, I'm not having the coronavirus because I don't know what's in it and I don't trust it. No, I don't want any of that crap. I'll have a, yeah, I'll have a Big Mac and fries and diet.
1: Coke, like. Like, right. You sound like me, man. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> No. All right. So here's another one. So you're not a fan of dividend stocks and you're not afraid to share it either. So maybe miss painting that picture and you can elaborate. But this one was pretty funny too. So quick glance over the fundamentals look good to me, but I'd rather spend the day pushing wasps up my ass than manage a portfolio <laughs> of dividend stocks.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So let me give that one a bit of context. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with dividend stocks. Okay? <laughs> my tax bill last year, this coming year rather, will be well into six figures. And putting that together, even for an accountant does it for me, is just a nightmare, especially if I've been doing a lot of trading. The moment I start taking gains from dividends as well, that introduces another level of taxation in the UK. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but we have capital gains tax. If we sell a position and it makes a gain, if a dividend is a completely different class of stock, it's dependent on your income level. And they've all got to be... Recorded separately and given to the accountant and given to our equivalent of the IRS. And it just becomes an absolute nightmare. Now, just for absolute clarity, it's part of your plan. Should you be in dividend stocks? Absolutely should be part of your plan. I am at a stage in my investing career where I am 100% committed to capital growth. So, a lot of my positions are in what's called accumulation funds, where if there are dividends, they're automatically reinvested into the funds. So, therefore, I don't pay any tax in it and it maximizes the growth of those funds. And I don't have to worry about dividends. So, do I hold some dividend position? I'm bound to. I've tracked enough indexes, bound to be dividend paying stocks. What I don't do is go out and actively search for dividend paying stocks. Now, what will happen about three years before I plan to retire? is that I will transition a load of my positions from accumulation funds to income funds. So they start providing an income I can live off rather than just growing and growing and growing. Because I know too many people that kind of carried on until they were eighty-five, going, "Yeah, oh, grown another fifteen percent this year," and then they just carked it the next day and dropped dead. And you think, "Well, what was the fucking point of that?" You know, <laughs> you just you're paying it all away in tax for your family anyway.
1: No, that's funny. This next one probably is a similar sentiment, but I'd rather shit in my hands and clap than use a CD as a long-term investment vehicle. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Did I really say that?
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's when you were drunk shorting Tesla (laughs) around the same time.
2: (laughs) I literally don't even remember saying
1: that. I I got a screenshot right here, man. We got proof. (laughs) That's hilarious, though. But, man, this has been a ton of fun, and I absolutely love having you in the community. Thank you for all the value you provide. You know, that really long document that you've talked about that you've developed on how you do your research and stuff. I appreciate you for sharing that with the community as well. And just oh, not at all. All your knowledge and obviously hilarious one liners really add a lot of value.
2: Hey, look, I'm here to learn as well, guys. You know, I said something at the beginning that I genuinely believe is true. My passion in life, other than investing, was I'm a passionate cave diver. And mm-hmm. there's a saying in cave diving is that the day you think you know how to do it, stop cave diving because that's when you'll get killed. Mm. And my experience over 25 years of putting money in stocks is that the day you think, yeah, I understand the stock market is the day it will bite you in the ass because you don't understand the stock market. So I go into that discord every day with an open mind and I try and learn from the people who inevitably know more than me because they might be closer to a particular company or a particular industry than I am. So. You know, if I go in there one day and I just come across as completely arrogant, I want someone to slam me down because that's dangerous for me.
1: You want us to shit in our hands and slap you in the face? Is it? <laughs> oh, bring,
2: bring it up. Bring it on. Yeah, there you, <laughs> oh,
1: there you go. That's awesome. Well, we're going to save a couple of questions here for the live Q&A session after this. This has already been long, but I just couldn't stop asking questions. You're a wealth of <laughs> knowledge. So it was a ton of fun. But thank you. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Facebook. Check out our Discord, stockdadsofficial.com slash plans. We're also trying to do YouTube and TikTok and Instagram too. So follow us all those places and watch me make a fool out of myself on TikTok especially. But we appreciate it and we're going to wrap it up here. But thanks, guys.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.